You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. If you're a guest with us this morning, you're an honored guest. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is John, if you don't know. I am the Common Life Pastor for Connection and Stewardship. And if I'm sitting up here, you know something is amiss. <laughs> you know, Fred is, of course, uh, somebody who is very, very dedicated to this spot, making sure that he is teaching us. And, you know, he's the guy that would be here in the hazmat suit with the... Yeah, he's just not well, so I apologize you get me today. So... Pray, pray for Fred. He needs it. So pray for Fred. Pray for Aaron. Pray for Latan. You know, I mean, and there's numerous people. Um, Jesus really is here to help the sick. So, you know, pray for them. We have a lot of people that are just under the weather and can't be here. So pray for them. Um, let me open in prayer. If you will, pray, pray with me. Father God... Lord of all the prophets, you knew us. You chose us before you formed us in the womb. Father, fill us with faith that speaks your word. Hope that does not disappoint. And love that bears all things, Lord, for your sake. Until that day when we shall know you fully, even as we are known by you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Beloved, it is still the season of Epiphany. Do you remember? Fred keeps telling us what Epiphany is. What's, what's an Epiphany, right? It's a revelation. It's a, a realization. It's seeing the truth, right? The Epiphany is God revealed in Jesus Christ. It's a manifestation. An epiphany moment can be seen as God revealed to us. And then as we build that relationship with Christ, these epiphany moments are again realized over and over and over and over and over throughout our lives. You will have many of these God epiphany moments throughout your life. But when was the last time you had one of those really aha moments about God? One of those aha moments when the truth hit you like a ton of bricks. What were those moments in your life where God revealed himself to you? Or where you realized to yourself that Jesus is exactly who he says he is? Exactly who we say he is. Where were you? What were the circumstances? What were you doing? Did you have to be hit over the head with it? Or was it really one of those aha moments when you saw the truth? For me, I was, uh, I was very young. Um, I didn't hit it. It didn't hit me as one of those absolute aha moments. It took a few days for me. Um, 
I was small. I was young. Um, I was probably six, maybe seven. And as a young child, I used to have horrible, terrible nightmares. You know, we had just moved from one little farm to a bigger farm with an older farmhouse, and I don't know if I was just afraid, but I had horrible nightmares. Something was always coming to get me. I can remember being in my room one night after one of these particularly scary dreams, not being able to go back to sleep, not wanting to go back to sleep, and... Mm, I just, I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And you may say that maybe that's crazy, that somebody that's, that I might remember something from when I was six or seven, maybe I don't remember it properly, remember I don't remember it correctly. But in my mind, it was like yesterday. I don't remember anything well. Just ask anybody, right? I, my wife will tell you I don't remember anything. So... To remember this is just one of those things that stuck with me forever. I remember distinctly laying in that bed, not wanting to go back to sleep. Now, our family, we were not churchgoers. We went, you know, when the season called for it, right? My, my parents were those Easter Christmas people. Or if my Aunt Marge said, hey, I'm going to cook for you. Come to church with us. We, you know, that happened once in a blue moon. But, you know, we were pretty much Easter Christmas people. You know, um, I didn't start going to church regularly until I followed that little blonde girl, to, you know, to church. And, um, yeah, it's been different ever since. Um, and, you know, it must have been, you know, having this epiphany was probably in the spring. I think we had gone to an Easter service. Um, so I don't know, you know, what was really said. Um, I don't know, you know, why it stuck in my head because, you know, I wasn't used to thinking about Jesus. I can probably count on these two hands the number of times I went to church as, you know, a young person or an early teen person. You know, um, you know, I followed the little blonde girl to church at 16. So... I'm not, like I say, I don't know what they were talking about. I don't know why it stuck in my head. But I remember praying after that one particular dream. You know, Jesus, I don't want to have any more of these nightmares. Um, you know, please take these things away from me. I never, ever want to have another nightmare. I don't know. must have prayed too hard. I've never had another nightmare. I also never have remembered another dream. You know, so Jesus really took care of it, right? (laughs) Nothing. I mean, and it may seem silly, right? You know, this is 50 years later for me, you know. That's tough for me to say, 50 years later. 50 years later. Um, You know, maybe I misremember or maybe I don't remember correctly, but this side of 50 years, you know, really, I, I believe Jesus was taking care of me. I mean, I really do. I don't know how my mind works, and I don't know how, um, you know, maybe my mind or, you know, Jesus used my mind to protect me from it, but 
I, I can say I, I don't remember praying anything. I mean, I don't remember dreaming anything since. Nothing. I believe Jesus has the power to rescue us. Not just in him, but in us. Sometimes we are called to answer that prayer. We're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So, mm, where were you when you had that first epiphany, that first moment? Don't answer it out loud. Just think through it as we're talking today. Where were you? What were you doing? Why did it hit you? What was that epiphany that you had? Let me give you one from Scripture. Okay, so... Matthew chapter 3, we're going to read the whole thing. If you want to join me on your phone, you know, however you want to do it, there's nothing on the screen, there's nothing on the church app, there's, you know, forgive me, there's just nothing but you and me and we're going to talk. (laughs) Matthew chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and he began to preach. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist. The food he ate were locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem... And from all over Judea and the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear him. And when they confessed their sins, he would baptize them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes. You, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. This means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children for Abraham from the very stones. Even now, an axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of this tree. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The rest of that's a conversation for later, right? John says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I, I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into his barn, but burn the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, John said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agrees to baptize him. 
And after this baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. In the book of John, we are told that John the Baptist did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah until he saw him coming to be baptized. Verse 29 through 34 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What an epiphany that is. That's a moment. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting on him. I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen of God. How did John not know Jesus was the one. Did you know they were cousins? I mean, I'm probably telling you something you you already know. Jesus and John were cousins. They shared a grandfather. Elizabeth, the mother of John, was the cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In the book of Luke... Luke starts out with this account of the birth of John and how the angel Gabriel came and told Zechariah that he would have a child. Now, he and Elizabeth were well beyond the age of childbearing. So he didn't believe him. So Gabriel told Zechariah that you will be mute. You will not be able to speak until the birth of your son. And he was mute. And Elizabeth was pregnant. Six months into this pregnancy, Mary, after finally hearing that she was pregnant, came to celebrate with Elizabeth. She traveled from Nazareth, where they lived, to a city, I'm going to remember the name of it, Ein Karem, which was about 80 miles between those two cities. I couldn't walk 80 miles. They say it's a nine-day trip by foot. So Mary comes and visits Elizabeth. And upon entering her home and hearing Mary's greeting, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. There's an epiphany. John and Jesus were cousins. 
They both had miracle births. I'm sure their families talked. I'm sure they both heard their stories. How did John not know that Jesus was the one? John was born to look for the one. And he did not know. But when that spirit came down like a dove and landed on Jesus, what an epiphany moment that must have been. We have been waiting for 400 years and mm, this is the one. What an epiphany. That was, I'm sure, a real aha moment for John. Jesus is the Messiah. He is an epiphany, a revelation, a light in the darkness so that we can clearly see God. Where were you when you had your first epiphany? What was it? What was going on? What were the conditions? How did you come to that? Think through those things. One more epiphany for me. Well, for us. When did you realize that it's not about you? When did I realize that it's not about me? I tend to make things about me, so you got to forgive me in those things and, or hit me on the head and remind me, hey, it's not about you. My wife does that all the time. It's not about you. It's not about me. Eugene Peterson tells us this. You are not the center of the universe. Christ is. When we submit our lives to what we read in Scripture, we find that we are not being led to see God in our stories, but our stories in God. Let me say that again because it, I don't think it came out right. <laughs> we find that we are not being led to see God in our stories, but our stories in God's. God is the larger context. He has the bigger plot in which we find our stories in his. We remind ourselves here at WCC that we are joined in God's pursuit of restoring lives. It's on your worship guide every morning. Joined in God's pursuit of restoring lives. Fred was, was here. Uh, he was fairly new 12 or 13 years ago. The shepherds, we took this time, we took a Friday and a Saturday, and we went and did a retreat. It was the beach, y'all. My place, I, you know, I'm a beach kind of guy. I got to go to the beach, and we went to the beach, and it was cold and it was rainy. And guess where we didn't go? We spent that Friday and that Saturday together as shepherds, you know, in a place where we could think about what we want the world to see about WCC, and we talked through that mission statement or whatever you want to call it, joined in God's pursuit of restoring lives. That's not what it was when we started. It was something else. 
Wish I could remember what it was to tell you, but I can't. But we looked and we sweated and we talked about it and we prayed over every single word in that statement. And we changed things. Or somebody would say, well, this doesn't really say what we needed to say and that doesn't, you know, how to, let, and we visited every single word. And we prayed over every single word. And we, and we spent time, you know, thinking through it and praying through it and sleeping on it. We, you know, talk, talked and talked and talked. And the next day, we finally finalized, finalized this so that we came up with that exact statement, joined in God's pursuit of restoring lives. Lots of prayer. Lots of time thinking about every single word. And it does remind us it's not our pursuit. It's his. It's God's pursuit. He just allows us to join in. It's not what can John do to help the orphan and the widow. It's how can John join God in what he's doing to help the orphan and the widow. The least lost, the left out, the lonely. What can we put our hands and feet to? He's calling us to do this. How do we see or know what God is calling us to join him in? Well, you've heard this before. If you're a guest, maybe this is your first time. We keep one ear up and one ear out. What does this mean? I keep one ear up so that I might listen for what God is telling me to go love on somebody with. And I keep one ear out so that I might listen for whomever God is calling to love me. It's a two-way street, y'all. It goes both ways. Not only do I have to be willing to put my hands and feet to those tasks that God's calling us to, but I have to be willing to allow someone else to love me because God's calling them to that. We're not always willing, right, to say, hey, I need help. But God might be calling someone who is specifically gifted to help you in the things that you need. We're called to love one another. And that, once again, includes someone allowed to love us. It's God's story. How do we fit into that? God may be calling us to simply be present with someone, share a meal, have a cup of coffee, listen for that voice that says, hey, you are gifted in this way. So-and-so really needs help in this way. Can't you go and do What are you gifted to that you might share within this kingdom of God? What is God calling you to do to be present, to assist? What was your epiphany? Some of those will be epiphanies. Oh, I can do this. What's God really calling you to in that epiphany? 
So we can say one ear up and one ear out, but how do you really do this? How do you really listen for, for God to tell you, well, you know, sometimes it's absolutely, you know, it is what it is and you know and you go and you do. But that's not always that way. My wife has to tell me, you know, five times to go do something before I get, you know, up and do it. Sometimes we need to hear God tell us more than once. Uh, you know, no guilt in that. It's, you know, we're human and we're not perfect. But we were called to be faithful in it. So, how do we do this? And I'm going to tell you something that's, you know, so easy that, you know, it's, I'm going to explain it deeper. We simply need to be attentive. How do you be attentive? I don't know. Um, I'm going to give you four R words. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first one is reflect. Reflect on what these things are that call us to be faithful and to ask God for what he is doing work around you. Was that English? Did I say that right? We're going to reflect. We're going to, we're going to be still and know and take time to think through and reflect on what might God have been calling me to today. Be faithful to do it every day. Take the time to reflect and know that God is calling you to things. And then you have to realize that it's you. God's calling you, specifically gifted person, Put your hands and feet to these tasks. He knows our talents. He has a a purpose for us. We need to understand what that is. And when we understand what that is, that's an epiphany. One more of those epiphanies. Moments where God shines a light in our life. We need to read. God reveals himself through scripture. We invite Jesus into our lives by reading the gospels and Jesus speaks to us through that scripture. We have to first know Christ. And if we want to truly encounter him, if we want to know ourselves, we need to know the scripture. Beloved, the secret service does not study counterfeit bills. They might, I don't know. I mean, what do they really study? They study the real thing. Why do they study that real bill? They study that real bill so they will know it intimately so that, oh, if they come across the counterfeit, they should recognize it immediately because something's wrong. We should know scripture like this. We should be able to say, oh, that doesn't sound right. Let me go back to my uh, scripture and let's find out. And this is the thing that God uses. His voice speaks through that scripture. So we invite Jesus into our lives by reading these gospels. So through those scriptures, we encounter Jesus. Not only do we encounter Jesus in those scriptures, but we encounter ourselves. Where do those two things cross up? that Jesus might be leading us to an epiphany, a realization, a light, noticing the truth that this is what Jesus is calling us to. 
And the fourth R is release. We need to release our fear and trust that God has our best interest at heart and whomever else he may be sending us to. Beloved, fear is a... I'm going to give you an acronym. Fear. False evidence appearing real. Now, there are things to fear, don't get me wrong. But for me, most of the time, my fear is in my head, and it's not really something to fear because there is some false evidence working against me. Beloved, we need to be um, able to reach out to one another and to do so without any fear. I come to find that in joining God in the things that he is doing and being able to come and meet and do and, you know, it ends up blessing me. That's not why we do these things. You know, we're not helping someone just so we get a blessing. No. (laughs) But you know what? It typically works out that way. Winter shelter for me is such a blessing. It's a lot of work, y'all. And I appreciate y'all who, you know, put your hands and feet to that. It's important work. It's a blessing to those folks that we bring in as guests. God bless you for your time. But it's a blessing to me as well. Because I get to spend time and meet with you. We get to spend time and meet with them. And it's just a blessing. Once again, not the reason we do what we do, but a byproduct of what we do. So, the epiphany. Is God revealed in Jesus Christ to us? How is God revealing himself in our lives? What are we doing with those revelations. Beloved love is an action word. It's a verb. we got to go do. I can tell you that I love you, you know, a million times, and if I do nothing, there's no evidence of it. So because I love you, I'm going to do this for you, or I'm going to spend time with you, or we're going to you know, have connection and we're going to do. Love is not just a mushy feeling word. We love by going. We love by making time for one another. Making time for not just the people that we know and know we love them, but we need to love on folks that we may not necessarily know. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to love our enemies. Beloved, it's what Jesus would do. What was your epiphany? What will your epiphany be tomorrow? Will you recognize them? Will you act on them? It's just a matter of listening, being attentive. What is God calling you to love someone around you? In, you, in this family, in our community, in the state, in the, who is God calling you to love on? And who is God calling to love on you? You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.